AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. You're listening to Ruthie's Table 4 in partnership with Montclair. Around 40 years ago, when Abe Rogers, my stepson, was 12, he asked if a school friend, his best friend, could join us for lunch. I know you're going to love him. And three hours later, we were in the company of one of the greatest kids ever, cheeky, funny, bright. Hi, my name's Guy Ritchie. I am a chef, and that's my day job, and my second job is a film director. And here we are, we've been cooking outside on the gentleman's table, uh, the wild table, a rather thick ribeye steak. Now, when you ask Guy Ritchie to do a podcast, you don't just get Guy. Today, he's been in the garden at the River Cafe with his chefs, setting up his wild kitchen to cook a ribeye steak for us all to try. Can you just bring this with you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As you do. As one does, exactly. Right, here we go. Going round to here. This is great. Yeah, really what do you want to untie? The umbrella. That. Great. No, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. Now, if you want, you're going to have the whole thing like that. But I, I would. I mean, you know, I would just let that nibble away a bit at its centre. Now, the next time it comes off, I think you'll be done. I've been in contact over the years with Guy in and out, eating in his pub, the Law of the Land, drinking the beer from his brewery, the Gritchie Company, having him and Jackie, his children and his friends and his family in the River Cafe, and most of all, watching his movies, from Lockstock to Smoking Barrels, and his most recent, The Covenant, with two friends and actually guests of the podcast, Jake Gyllenhaal and Josh Berger. Now, you've already got a sear on, but because it's such a thick piece of meat... Right, we got to hack through that. You got to hack through it because I got to get on with it. Mm. That's absolutely beautiful. Mm. It's got to go. It's got to go. We got the rest of it to go. Here we go. Here comes the lubricant. This is Guy. Thank you, Fernando. So, Guy, do you want to talk about before we go into your movies and food and food and life? Do you want to talk about grilling a steak? What do you like about a ribeye? Yeah, I like the fat. Yeah. Um, and I like the crispiness of the fat. It seems to be the right um, ratio of fat and meat mm. for me. But that's that's usually what I eat is a ribeye five or six days a week. And I'll play with other things, but in the end, it's, it's easy for me to cook. Mm. And I don't really want anything on it other than salt. And mm. recently, pepper. But I have a feeling pepper's a crush and it won't last for very long and I'll just creep back into salt. Yeah. Um, you and I like it the same way, which I, I hate going to a restaurant and telling the waiter how I like something cooked, and I, so I rarely do that. But when I have a steak or if I have a piece of... The only other thing I do is salmon, is I like a really dark crust and then a you know quite medium rare inside, rare. Yeah, well, I'm with you on that. To me, everything's about the patina of the meat. Yeah, right. yeah. So, and you, you can only really get that patina if you've got the fat. Mm. That's, I think you and I are probably mm. in agreement on this. I want the, the combination of that fat just before it's become completely incinerated. 
I want it to be crispy, mm. and then I'm in heaven, and it never gets never gets boring. Okay, so going from the beginning of the beginning, we were talking about growing up in the Ritchie house before you went to boarding school. Were you at home with your your parents? Your father was a friend of friend of mine, John Summerall, and. They said he loved food and wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My father liked wine more wow. than he liked food. Yeah. But yes, he was a good friend. John Summerall used to live on the same street. Yeah. So we, he was about five doors down. But they were, yeah, he was a big foodie. We were like the only middle class family, and apart from John, mm. in the street. So when we moved in, it was an old fashioned, um, in theory, it wasn't a sort of cockney community, but it was an old fashioned English mm. community there. So this is in 60, they bought that house in 60, Where, 69. Where are talking about in Notting Hill? In, no, no, in Fulham. Yeah. And they were like foodies yeah. and boozies yeah. then, which is quite early doors. Yeah. And that, that house then in uh, 69 was £8,000. Yeah, there you go. So you grew up with a, in a house that loved food and entertainment. I did. My mum was a very good cook. What did she cook? My favourite was watercress soup. Oh, really? With yeah, the, it was quite exotic. Yeah. It's very Robert Carrier, isn't it? Is it? I have no <laughs> idea. But she was a very good cook. I used to like baked eggs uh-huh. and uh, watercress soup. Uh, and would you sit down to dinner like most nights as a family? Who, who's in your family, your brothers and sisters? No, one sister, uh-huh. uh, a sister and a mother. Uh-huh. And so would you sit down to a meal with a, a kind yeah. of family supper? Or? I heard something earlier on that... Um, I can't remember which generation we are, mm. but we are still the sort of the, I suppose, maybe the last generation that lived more outdoors than we did indoors. Mm. So I knew all the other kids in the street. Yeah. So the, you were never indoors. Mm. You were always out with your out. mates. Yeah. And we were on bicycles. I remember you used to yeah. cycle to quite far afield, and we were on bicycles when we were six. Wow. So and you went to school, local school. Local, I went to 13 schools. School? I went to 13 you schools. You went to 13, okay. Yeah. How did Local that schools. Why, why? Were dyslexia. you moving or that no was, school could cope with no, no, educating you? No cool, uh, school could cope. And I, I sort of picked up the reputation that it was because I was naughty, and it wasn't because I, I was naughty. Yeah. It, was, it was just yeah. I was remarkably slow yeah. in understanding what they were trying to translate, and I had no ability to translate it. So, yeah, very promiscuous with schools. And I went to about five local schools. And then gradually, I mean, even the one I went to school with Abe, mm. that was, which is subsequently shut down. Most of the schools I went to subsequently <laughs> shut down because they were all learning disability schools. And they did that. They just did that. Well, they sort of fumbled around mm. as best they could. And I'm sort of grateful for their efforts. But and there was only one person I met that was more <laughs> dyslexic than me, and that was Abe. Yeah. Um, I've been to my kids' schools, you know, whether it was Abe or it was our own, you know, my, my children. And I remember saying the only... I don't care if they learn to read when they're 8 or 6 or 10 or 12 or 14. What you do never want your child to do is to feel stupid, you know. Because I said, those are the people that come into the River Cafe. And they almost come in and they, they say, I don't want to sit here. I don't want that. I don't want this. And I almost want to say, did you have a hard time in school? You know, because it takes I'm going to challenge you there. Okay, challenge me I'm going to challenge you that I, from the... The best roses come from the worst manure. Okay. So I think a certain amount of adversity is rather essential. And I don't think it did me much harm being told. I was, you were never told you were no, stupid. It was implicit. feel that you were, yeah. Well, you were clear. It was clear that you couldn't follow, right? Mm-hmm. And you were clear that kids that weren't that quick were mm-hmm. following mm-hmm. quicker than you mm-hmm. could follow. So mm-hmm. you, could, you knew there was an issue. 
but no one was actually cruel enough to explicitly okay. say so you're, you're stupid. Yeah. But you found after you were on school 10 you were, yeah. that it, it, there was an issue. And then mm. you kept meeting experts that would sort of have men in white mm. coats that would give you sort of blocks to play mm. with and, and boxes yeah. to tick. <laughs> and then it, it quickly, you, you'd see their eyes, eyebrows would raise by the time you'd finished and you could quickly deduce that you you were not firing on the cylinders that yeah. they wanted you to fire. But, but fair play to everyone. They never actually called me stupid. It was just implicit. Yeah. And then but I would argue, though, that that gave me a sort of a myriad of skills that uh, otherwise uh, mm-hmm. I would never have developed. And feeling like you're an outsider mm-hmm. of some description, feeling diminished yeah. at some point. And in the end, I just don't think that did me any harm. You and A became, and Richard, my husband, became stronger because of it. But there might be a lot of people around who gave up, you know, who didn't fight back. They just maybe. Yeah, I'm sure so that's true. It's about, as I agree with you about a lot of that. I mean, I agree with sort of self-esteem. I used to think self-esteem was the most important thing. Now I think... Maybe not. It's a it's a. There's a paradox thing. in that, isn't yeah, there? There's there a is, paradox. Yeah. Okay. Well, going back then, thirteen schools. Do you remember any of those thirteen schools having good food? Um, yeah, you, you'll be surprised what kind of food I can enjoy. Yeah, tell me. Everything. <laughs> um, my mum wasn't fussy, and I've never been fussy. The only thing I couldn't eat yeah. was rhubarb, mm-hmm. and it, it, even that I can eat mm-hmm. now. And I was, I'm quite interested and enjoy industrial quantities of food. It's not necessarily to consume, but there's a sort of, it takes on certain qualities. Mm-hmm. They used to do like school lasagna. When you're cooking for a few hundred kids, it takes on sort of complex characteristics that are impossible to derive if you're, if you're using quality product. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I liked school food. Out of 13 schools, which one did you... Did you do something like graduate from a school or did you just no. leave school? No, you just left. It, How it, old were you? Um, 15. Right. And it was an anticlimactic sort of... Mm. I left and then they said, don't bother coming back. That was at Stanbridge? Uh, that was at Stanbridge, yeah. Mm, nice, yeah. And did your parents, were they were they worried about you? Did yes. They, yeah. Yes, because I had no qualifications at all. I could barely spell my name. Yeah. But I was... I mean, I was working... Yeah. By the time I was 15, um, not far yeah. from here, actually, St. Peter's what Square in Hammersmith. Oh, St. Peter's Square, yeah. Yeah, I worked in the Island Records, which I don't know if mm-hmm. it's still there, yeah. but uh, I worked as a tea boy in Island yeah. Records. Yeah. Were you living at home? Did your mom still cook for you? Who cooked? No, I, I left home early doors. So mm-hmm. I, I was from 15 onwards, I was in and out. And what were you eating? Do you remember? Um, no. <laughs> is the answer to that? You, no, because prefer? then it was it was all work from fifteen to now. It's really all been work. Yeah. Although there's been sort of messy periods along that way, yeah. I've been working pretty much since I was fifteen. Wow. We talked about your mother, but what about your father? He was he more into wine, as you said. Did he teach you about wine? I didn't like wine until I was forty. At forty? How old are you now? I'm fifty-four. Okay, and what changed all that? And then, and like, what, what didn't you like about wine? It just meant nothing to me, right. and you could see the price disparity, and and that yeah. had no impact on me. Mm-hmm. I was what you know, I was happy mm-hmm. on two pound fifty as mm-hmm. other people were on two hundred and fifty, mm-hmm. and I couldn't. I did the nuance was wasted on me, mm-hmm. and then at forty, a, a light bulb went off. Mm-hmm. Or on. Do you remember where you were? Uh, you, I, you know, I think, it? think it was your friend Josh Berger had something to do with ah, it. Okay. And I think it was like a weekend away somewhere and someone brought out the big guns. Yeah. 
And like on the third bottle where I was sort of taking the mick mm. and then all of a sudden something happened. And once it happened, then I, I lost a decade did you? to enjoying fine wines. And then I did the wine tours. Where did you go? Well, I'm a Bordeaux man that's recently, recently drifted into Burgundy. Mm. Um, but I'm on terra firma with, with the Bordeaux. Yeah. So um, the classic obvious ones. Mm. Which yeah. ones do you like? It's boring because they're cliches, but Latour will yeah. be my go-to if I was going to go for an event of some mm. description. Mm. So I'll go for all the obvious, the Moutons, mm. uh, Lafitte, uh, Margot, mm. uh, Lynch Bage, mm. you know, all the well-known ones. And what about Italy? Super Tuscans, like Manicetto, yeah. and so on. But do you but like them? Do you, I do. You go to pick it. Do you have a wine cellar then? In your I houses? do. And you go? Do you go down and say that tonight we're going to have this? Or yeah, I mean, I, I'm essentially French, mm. right? So I, I am prejudiced towards the French, mm-hmm. in the sense that I, I think both food-wise and wine-wise. There, the layers of sophistication that the French developed over however long. I, my first love of real food um, mm-hmm. was French, mm. and I was tremendously impressed by the layering. Yeah. Um, when you call layering, you mean the way that they... I, I felt as though there was every nuance was investigated. Mm-hmm. There was a place on Pimlico Road that was run by those brothers. Yes, do you remember? Yeah. It was next to Le Poulopot. Yeah, Poulopot, that's when I was, was thinking about. Pot, and there was a little supermarket that was next yeah, door, a little shop, right. and yes. a little French shop, yeah. not much bigger than this room, and... When I was a van driver, yeah. I used to go in there and it was absurdly expensive. But the quality was mind-blowing. You, you've run a career off the quality of your ingredients, though, really, yeah. haven't you? Um, I would say that about French food and Italian food, you know, that there's nothing I love more than a piece of fish with beurre blanc and spinach on the bottom, as you say, almost the layering, the way. But there's something also when you go to Italy and then you have a piece of sea bass and... Nothing, you know, you just get this bass, and maybe if you're lucky, a bit of salsa verde or lemon. And so, if you're going to have only two ingredients a lemon and a sea bass, or sea bass and a bit of wild oregano, the wild oregano has to be wild, and the sea bass has to be incredibly, you know, fresh because there's no masking of it. You're not looking at the Hollandaise or the Bernays or the other stuff, you know. So, I think we are, the River Cafe definitely is very ingredient based. Yeah, we are. I went fishing for sea bass this week, actually. Did you where? Um, Portland. Anyway, so I caught four very healthy bass. Did you? Well, I actually caught 14. We returned 10 of them. Oh. Uh, I went fishing with my 10-year-old who's obsessed. Nice. And English bass is fin- yeah, fantastic we get ours, bass. Yeah, it is. We get all our fish off the coast. We don't bring any tuna or anything in. From they'll, they'll all be line caught, your bass, yeah. too. Yeah, all right. We, we once had my, one of my favorite stories. We had... The, we you know we, we call it the end of service. So at eleven o'clock at night, we know how much bass we've sold, how much you know turbot we've sold, and we know that the next day we're going to change the menu. So we never have the menu. It just depends what there is in the fridge and what there is in the sea. And then we got a call from the boat, and he said, "I'm I'm yeah, I've just reeled in a, a turbot, and it's so big that either the river cafe takes it or we put it back in the sea. What do you want?" And we took it. 
How, how big was it? Oh, I can't remember. Maybe, I have no eight kilos. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah. that fish. sounds about yeah. right. And uh, I came back, I came past here one evening with Josh, yeah. and I had your turbot. Yeah, it's not bad. I have to tell you. Did you like it? Yeah, yeah. I did. We do it on the tranche, so you have this thick bone, and then you have the thick turbot. And so we put, you know, it depends what the chef wants to do. I think last night we did it with zucchini and zucchini flowers, and... Today we might do with capers and, you know, um, black olives. It no, depends. it was a real winner. It was a real winner. Would you, um, by your nature, go um, sea bass or turbot? Oh, it depends. Um, probably bass. I love bass. But I, if I have the turbot in the wood oven, it's a very rich fish. It's quite, there's a, it's quite a lot. It's fatty. Oh, you sea bass is fatty. Love, yeah. But I, the thing about fish for me is I love it on the bone. You know, I always think... I love it on the back. You know, that you don't, you know, and so it's really nice to have a whole sea yeah, bass. Yeah, I, I agreed. So what happened to the fish that you reeled in? Where are those bass now? Well, I ate them. All of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's My great. son's very insistent on eating them as quickly as possible. That's nice. But you've got to wait. We find that we have to wait 24 hours because you've got to get over the rigor mortis. Yeah. The, the idea that you can eat fish that no. fresh, it doesn't work. No, you've I got know. to leave it. I know, I know. They say just that so turbot's the same thing. Even Dover sold it. I mean, so anti... Kind of what, we, what you would think, but the idea. But soul you know, lasts forever too. Uh, uh, I'll show you. Uh, you pass me that. Uh, I'll show you this because my son is now obsessed with fishing, and that means yeah. I'm now You're obsessed with fishing. Do you get seasick at all? Um, well, this is all on the shore. Oh, I see. You're not on a boat. But it's not. Oh. So I don't have the picture of the bass, but I'll tell you. Look at the size of this brown trout that he caught. Wow! Look at that! Wow! It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's how much did that thing weigh? Six and a half pounds, but that will that will feed. Uh, you know, you know what will feed? Feed ten. But most sweetie. of the photographs on there are fishy. So uh, that's Rafa. Rafa, so sweet. Yeah. That's great. Did you know the River Cafe has a shop? It's full of our favorite foods and designs. We have cookbooks, linen napkins, kitchenware, tote bags with our signatures, glasses from Venice, chocolates from Turin. You can find us right next door to the River Cafe in London or online at shoptherivercafe.co.uk. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. 
Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I'm always in the kitchen. You're always in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it well, actually, kitchen? I'm not in the kitchen. I mean, I'm outside in the kitchen. Yeah. But the internal kitchen, as I was just explaining to your chefs, it, I've become increasingly frustrated with because... I've got quite nice knives and people have bought me good knives and subsequently no one wants to sharpen them because they're frightened of sharpening them and they they don't want to mess them up. And what I quite like is a cheap knife Mm. with a brutal sharpener Mm. and I want it accessible. So you buy a good knife, a a fine knife for 12 Mm. quid, Mm. sharpen Mm. Every couple of... But I have a brutal sharpener. really hard. What is it? I buy my sharpeners for two quid, two and a half euros. And I drag them through that yeah. nasty oh, V-shaped thing. thing. Yeah, and it, it, yeah. I don't do that. That's yeah. too posh. I find that you do the brutal one and it shaves off right. a, quite a capacious amount of mm. steel. <laughs> um, and you, you, your knife's yeah. done off. But it lasts a year yeah. and it costs 12 quid. We had, we had, I remember, we used to have somebody who used to come and sharpen the knives. Mm. Do you remember, did you ever that? We had Belsize Grove when it was growing up. So that must have been when I first came to London. Can you imagine this American girl who didn't know what anything was? And they delivered bottles of milk and and you didn't lock your door. And they and the man came to sharpen the knives and sell onions. They used to sell onions like on the back of their bicycle. This must have been in the 70s. Well, yeah, it was in the 70s. You used to get, we used to have a rag and bone man. Yeah. Any old iron they used yeah. to see as they went by. <laughs> then you had the knife man. The knife man, I definitely remember. Um, by the way, it's a good system, the knife man, actually. I know. Why don't we still have a knife? Maybe we should bring back knife man. Yeah, yeah. knife man worked. <laughs> um, and then you had the uh, milk the milk, definitely. But, yeah, but you had the... Yeah, and you used to got that, like, creamy stuff at the top. You could have, like, a but different But the milkman used to sell everything. Yeah. He used to have everything on there. And then he just went from selling everything to not existing yeah, anymore. Yeah, no. So when we're going to talk about work and, and food. So when you go to a, a set in Spain with uh, with you and Jake and Josh and all your people, do you worry about what they're eating? Not really. No. No, so, because everyone's here. If no one complains, yeah. then I, I don't stick my nose into it. And they yeah. don't really complain. So they're sort of happy. You'll, you'll find out at some point or another if the mm. caterers aren't winning. But mm. recently, there doesn't seem to be too much complaints. I barbecue every day. I've got a, I've got a sort of old wooden trailer that we mm. reside in and where we have communal meals. Yeah. Um, I play mother and I usually do a We've got a stove in there and I cook in there. And we'll cook in a very similar fashion to just how we cook in there. I'll don a kebab it. I'll put it yeah. in, take slices off the side, put it back in again. And we'll do that five days a week. Yeah. You just invite various people from Yeah, there's usually, there. usually 10 people in there. Yeah. Jake's a good eater, isn't he? Yeah, you know, he knows he that. He really you, cares yeah. about food. Yeah, and carries no weight. Yeah. Carries no weight, doesn't drink much. So he's in good nick. But he really cares about But he food. cares about his food. And yeah. he rather sadly sends me pictures and I send him pictures of no. food. But what about other actors you've worked with? Do, do you think that... I'm yet to come across someone that's not interested yeah. in food. Yeah, do you think? Yeah. yeah. Almost no one I know is not interested in food. But in order, sometimes you have to switch off yeah. and see food as fuel. And as soon as food is fuel, mm. you tend to lose weight. And when you go to a, a set, like you were in Spain for the COVID, being Afghanistan, do you think about where you're going and the food they're having and what that will be like? Or do you think wherever you are, you're kind of eating what you... Yeah, eat? I mean, I'll go local. We spent we spent quite a lot of time. The last two movies I've done are outside of the Covenant, which is in Spain. We did in Turkey. I remember that. What was that I like? I like Turkey. What did you like about it? Um, I like the Turks. Yeah. And I can't believe there's a country as large as that. 
that people don't yeah. talk about yeah. much. Yeah. Um, and we were just very impressed with it. Yeah. We love the people and we love the yeah. food and we food love the whole I was thing. in Istanbul three weeks ago and I hadn't been there before and I was blown away oh, by Istanbul's the Bosphorus the yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting there and then the food. We went to all these different restaurants, once some on the Bosphorus, some in the little town, some in the... I, I thought it was a fantastic food culture. It yeah. is. But every, everything in that part of the world is. Do you think? I do. I mean, it's, you're still sort of, mm. you're, you're, you're tethered to the med. Mm. So I don't know if you've done Tel Aviv. Have you done Tel Aviv? No. Yeah. The food culture in Israel is insane. Yeah. We spend quite a lot of time in the Middle East. Yeah. We like the Middle East. I didn't know that. Where? Um, we got mates in Bahrain, so we go every year for the race. Mm. Um, a little bit in Saudi, quite a lot in Israel. Yeah. Um, and the food-wise, do you have one place that you actually, the Middle Eastern food that you Well, it's, it's Israel's sort of nicking yeah. it at the moment. Yeah. But then Dubai, I don't know if you spent any time no. in Dubai. I have to tell you, the, the Dubai, I mean, it's it's a cliche yeah. and it is for a reason because it's pretty brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, there are a lot of, of our, you know, I've been asked to open a restaurant in Dubai. I think there must be, I think there's no, but there are quite a lot of Western restaurants there, aren't I've there? I've been with lots of people that have been talking to you about oh. opening places over the years <laughs> and you never seem so to pathetic. open anywhere else. I, I went to look at a site the other day with with our friend who does all the architecture for us, you know, and he said, I was sitting in this place near Grosvenor Square and I heard this guy going, and Ruthie, you know, look at this space. You could have your kitchen here and you could do this and you could do that. And he said, I want to say, listen, you know, she's not going to do it. <laughs> so, but that's not true. I go. I would do it if well, I why found don't the right. You do it? Why I don't, don't you know. Do it? It's interesting. I think we just haven't found the right site. You, you spend know. you spend some time talking. About yeah, that. we went to LA, but the fact is that it's it's a long answer to a short question. Why don't I do it? I think I still would do it. We could just do another restaurant in London. We don't have to go abroad. Although I quite, you know, what would be quite interesting is it would break it would break a cliche. I, it. You're, I know you're not going to go to Dubai, which yeah. I'd quite like you to do, okay. just because it's unpredictable. Yeah. And I think it's important to be unpredictable, yeah. and I think it's important to prove yourself wrong. Okay, I get it. I'm constantly, I've, I'm constantly doing things, yeah, which against my better judgment, yeah. um, I do, yeah, because I have to, or I'm forced into a corner, or whatever. And then subsequently, I'm very grateful that I did, and yeah. thought. Oh, well, hold on. I, I probably should have started doing this a long time ago. Yeah. Just do things that uh, are really, that's not on your... Counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah. it's counterintuitive. It's yeah. not on your, me- on your also, menu. There's well, also, somebody said, I, they were suggesting, I had, you know, had this idea for, for doing sort of a fast food kind of thing. And, and then he said, you know, but I said, but I don't think I want to do it because it could fail. And they said, Ruthie, everybody's failing these days. This is what you do in Silicon Valley. You start a startup, yeah. you start a business, and it fails. It's no big deal. You know, I always think failure is like a big deal, but apparently it's not the biggest deal. No, it's deal. not what it was. Yeah. Failure is not yeah, what it was. So this it is was. the upside. <laughs> it's the new success. It's failure a, is the new well, success. But it, and people don't seem to notice like they used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and subsequently you go, oh, I don't know, that didn't work very well, but well, guess what? No one's talking about it. Have you it. had a movie that failed? No. Um, oh yeah, I've had movies that have not worked. Let's not put it okay. <laughs> let's put it that way, and it, 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 it's not the same anymore. Oh, um, and it, you you go because the thing is, it's hard to calibrate success. It used to be very easy. You used to open up on a by on a Thursday evening, yeah. and you used to know whether you yeah. it was going to work. Right yeah. within two or three hours, yeah. they could pretty much predict what your box office would be at the end of the weekend, yeah. Yeah. and you, you're 
it's a roulette wheel, yeah. right? So you you know you're 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 playing with hundreds of millions of dollars, mm. and uh, you let that bead go around the roulette table, and you're waiting for that phone call on a Thursday night, and it, is it going to be? Mm. And you'll be able to predict whether your move is more or less going to make a billion dollars, mm. or it's going to make fifty million dollars, mm. or it's going to make less, mm. right? Now that's a big bead. Yeah. Right, and I'm not sure what that other what other trades do that. I'm trying to think. It's yeah. that big a swing, yeah. Yeah. right? And and you find that all out in two, three hours. Mm. Fortunately, those days seem... and it lasts. So they can tell that. So what, well, what, now it's complicated. What's your biggest success? You have... Which is the movie that you find? You know, do, do you have it, one or it, does it, it not? Uh, how we get the calibrate success? Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. The one that you like. The um, that you no, feel. I like to, I, honestly. I like all of them equally, but. You know, it's... It doesn't. It's a silly yeah. question. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's I, like I, saying which is your favourite. Yeah, it is. People always say to me, you know, what do you like best to cook or what do you like but wine? And, you uh, know, it depends on the day, the weather. Yeah, also, also, I forget about my happy. work. Yeah, Richard used to say, you know, that when he finished a building, it was kind of done. It's you done. Know? And, you know, you know, you're now, it's done and it's there and then you... Um, and then you you oh. kind of oddly discover, you rediscover your films because you go to someone's house yeah. and they're watching it and you sit down and halfway yeah, through and then you sort of drift in and drift out you go hold on I'm, and it feels oddly reminiscent yeah, yeah. and but you can't remember going through the process although yeah. it you were so intimate with the yeah, process you've just forgotten yeah and then you go through the process and i just become the viewer yeah. and i'm sitting there and go oh that's, oh that's fun or that's not fun and why did he make yeah. that decision why didn't yeah. and i'm completely surprised i completely forget the plot yeah. although i've written them all and I become a complete voyeur in the equation. Yeah, it's a long story. But Christo, the artist, did a, did a, a fence through Southern California. He wanted to get the um, the people of the of the town to permit it. And they didn't want to do it because they didn't think it was art because it was temporary. You know, Christo, everything he did just lasted a little while, whether it was a fence or whether it was sheets or was umbrellas in Central Park. And so the argument was it's not art because it's temporary. And in fact... I realize that, you know, I make a cake and that's temporary. Or I grill a piece of beef and it's temporary, isn't it? You just get eaten right away. Your movies last forever, buildings last forever, but food is sort of you eat it and then you're criticized for it's either well too cooked or undercooked. I'm a big fan of things that are ephemeral. Uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about what is creativity and what is uh, art. And it being ephemeral is neither here nor there. Art seems about about the expression of that which is concealed finds a an interesting conduit to become revealed mm-hmm. it's kind of irrelevant what mm-hmm. the format is mm-hmm. as long as you can see that that which is revealed is is secondary and subservient to that which is concealed mm-hmm. you know the the nub of the conversation or the nub of any interesting conversation is just, is understanding essence mm-hmm. and concealed essence and the unseen engine that drives creativity mm-hmm. and all the different conduits and manifestations mm. of creativity i find that in itself the most inspiring of conversations yeah. if you like listening to ruthie's table four would you please make sure to rate and review the podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcasts thank you
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. So when you're working, tell me, you wake up in the morning and what do you have for breakfast? It, I'm not a breakfast man. So you're not a breakfast man? No. Not a lunch man. What do you, okay, so what food I try is and, I've lost a stone, which I'm quite smug about. I've done quite well in the last six weeks. Last yeah, six you're weeks. not on that drug, are you? No, I'm not on the drug. I don't do that. Okay. So what's your routine? No, I've just, it's because I eat late. So I'll have lunch. I'll get a bit pinchy. I quite like coffee. So I'll go on iced Americanos till about one. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have a little nibble of something. Mm -hmm. um, like and then what? What would that they, they, they do these like sort of healthy bars, which they, oh, so I see. they do on the front. It's like dates, cashew nuts mm -hmm. and something else. But anyway, they, they've got just enough naughtiness in them mm -hmm. to keep you entertained, <laughs> yeah. but not enough to get you in trouble. So I get, and there are a couple of hundred calories, so they keep me ticking over. I mean, I'm on contracting mode at the moment rather than expanding mode, right? Oh. I spend most of my life expanding. Okay. So every now and then when I'm on contraction, I'm trying, and this is the first Bev I've had in a while, actually. Oh, okay. You've corrupted me. There but, is. It's a downhill. downhill, so we're going to be in the expanding now. It, well, we, I'm, I'm going to be quite good at this, but I can, yeah. I've got quite a lunch coming up tomorrow, so I can tell. Oh. It's someone's birthday tomorrow, so I can tell. I might as well warm yeah, up now. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'll eat late. That's right. You know, in Mexico, we used to, when I lived in Mexico City, when Richard was not well, the idea is that Mexicans have a good breakfast at about 11, and then, or 10. No, they have a good baby 11's at 10. good. I think yeah. 11's good. Then they eat lunch at about 5, 4. Yeah. Then, but you have, like, a two-hour lunch. 
and then that's it. Yeah, yeah that, that, that on there. I love that. Oh. I do. I do. Eleven o'clock for me is quite a good time, and you have mm. a little something just to mm. keep you going. Mm. And then if you can press on through, and you get a bit pinched. Mm. And then uh, three, four, five, if you get stuck in. Yeah. And then that's your lot. But you've lost weight. That, that's how you've lost stone. a stone. Since when? Uh, actually, I've rather proudly got the photograph on there. So about six weeks. That's good. Yeah. Really? And, not, and so by the way, it's, without not, it's, struggling. Not, it's, yeah. it's not been a struggle. Yeah. And I've so been a naughty girl What do you do with your too. kids? Do you have, would you sit down for dinner with your kids? Do you, yeah, they're they, all quiet. They eat quite early with you? Yeah. Yeah. And it, you got to watch out eating with kids, as everyone knows, because you soon fall into a bowl of spaghetti and it's yeah, hard to get out of it. Dangerous. And they eat fish fingers. You forget how good they are until... I mean, that's the problem with kids' food. Kids' food's yeah, good. good. And you, you just don't want to go near the gravitational pull of kids' food because mm. once you do, it's hard to get out of it. So we try not to sit with the kids Okay. Um, for that reason. Yeah. And then... I'll end up eating their food. Yeah, of course you do. And when... But though, going back... Because when I thought when you were in Spain, you, you did... Did you eat cookies? We were very good to begin <laughs> with. Um, and then... Yeah, we were on about a thousand calories, and we were very good. And then Josh took me to a Spanish gaff, where we fell off a cliff. Yeah, and we were great food. Gr- eh? Spectacular. What was? What did you have? Do you remember? Um, actually, I got the pictures. I'm one of those yeah. people that rather sadly takes yeah. pictures of interesting right. meals. Um, then, this was just in uh, where you were making the movie. The cover. It was. It was like a hole in the wall. Mm. Um, what was uh, it? Where, what city were you near? You were near. We were um, near Alicante. Alicante. Now. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, anyway, whatever. Yeah. Then we fell off a cliff because then we ended up in uh, the Spanish wine world. And I remember sobbing by the uh-huh. time we came to the second meal because of the impact mm. of not having drunk or eaten too much in six weeks, I think. Mm. We were being very good girls. And then that was it. Mm. And then we were very naughty mm. for the remainder of the, uh, for the yeah, shoot. Yeah. So everything I'd yeah. lost in the first half, I then quickly... Uh, found um, for the remainder, uh, but it was just brilliant, and I'm perfectly happy to go up and down in weight. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I can't see. I Deny can't see. And exp- as you say, contract and expand. And I'm happy with that. Yeah. My biggest challenge in life is not eating too much, mm. and I will become. I will e- expand to the point of danger if I let my nature mm. loose. Mm-hmm. So really, it's a battle that I suppose everyone has. Mm. Um, you've done very well to remain the whippet that you oh, are. Oh, I am not. A, you're kidding. No, you're a whippet. Yeah, I am not a whippet. Now, <laughs> now how hard is it for everyone? I'm, I'm shocked that anyone north of 40 is not yeah. 400 pounds. Yeah. Because the amount of resistance that you need, a restriction you need in order not to endlessly expand mm. is 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 really kind of admirable and it's so delicious isn't it it's so it's such a pleasure <laughs> it's such a pleasure it's a dilemma it's but it's a dilemma that we all face at, you know two or three yeah, times a yeah, day yeah. and everyone does so in proportion to the blessing as they say is in proportion to the curse so food is that thing mm. right so as much pleasure it gives you is as much trouble as mm. it can give you mm. and um, so i live in this world of desperately trying to create and sometimes i win and sometimes i lose trying to find balance with food mm. and booze actually um also when you hold back on food have you been to when you know that and i know that because i've had it is that when you sort of sit down and then you know i'm not going to have you know something fattening or something too much or you know sugar you kind of hold back in every way 
do you think? You, you do. Kind of and slightly it, but subsequently, I quite like it. Subsequently, yeah. at the time, I don't. And then subsequently, I thought, ooh, yeah. yeah, I think. Okay. When we talk about food, and this is always, you know, my last question, is there food that you would turn to for comfort? Comfort food, it will be either um, Marmite mm-hmm. on toast. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually quite snotty about my toast, so I do like a good sourdough. Right. I, do you have butter or just marmite? Um, butter. Butter and then marmite. I, yeah, but I also quite like posh butter too. I love butter. I like posh That's... bread and posh butter. What's your posh butter? Um, anything that, it, the closer it came from a cow, the mm-hmm. posher it is as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And I went to a place called The Newt in Somerset the yeah, other day. Yeah. Uh, do you know it? Yeah, I haven't been there, but I Well, know. anyway, they did, the, they did a sourdough there mm-hmm. and a big wedge of local butter. Mm-hmm. And there's just no point in eating anything else. So it'll probably be, um, I do like Marmite. I do like Marmalade. I can, oh, yeah. By the way, I can talk about marmalade for some okay. time. Now, I'm not going to fall down that's into the episode old... Two. That's right, episode two. Yeah. So although my nature is not bread-driven, mm-hmm. um, I, when I do taste good bread mm. and good butter, pff, mm. hard to trump it. Yeah. And I like anchovies on toast. I do too, with like, butter. Uh, yeah. Anchovies on toast. But actually, if you get enough of the olive oil in the anchovies, yeah. then I don't find I don't need the butter. Butter is really nice with anchovies. You know, even Italians have butter in anchovies. There's something about a salted anchovy. Yeah, you do a butter. lot of anchovies here. Nice. You're, yeah, very, you're, like you're big on anchovies. Yeah, like anchovies. Um, but hold on, I'm feeling as though, and okay. then I do. Marmite and, and bread, uh, and butter, yeah, and marmalade. But sadly, they're all so going to be. It's okay. back to bread. Bread is, co- bread is comforting. It is. You know, well, I suppose the question you know, was like about that. what's comforting. Yeah. So yeah, the, so it will. They're all bread related. Mm. Um, I do like pigeon. Mm. Oh, you and do. I know, yeah, yeah, I love pigeon. Yeah. Um, I'm giving you lots of answers. Yeah, that's why we like idea. it. This is well. There's a difference between liking. And something you might turn to when you really thought, you know what? Uh, wedge of cheddar. Wedge of cheddar. And Branson pickle. Oh, okay. Nice. On bread. Yeah. Yeah, big on that. So we've had comfort, we've had creativity, we've had, and we've had a great piece of meat, didn't we? That was a ribeye to remember. That was delicious. So yeah. There's not very many people that you interview who bring their own, who bring their own grills. So we have a lot more to do. More talking, more cooking. More eating together, yeah? Fabulous. That was very enjoyable. And the little boy that I met when he was 12 years old. You've come a long way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ruthie's Table 4 in partnership with Montclair. Ruthie's Table 4 is produced by Atomai Studios for iHeartRadio. It's hosted by Ruthie Rogers and it's produced by Willem Malensky. This episode was edited by Julia Johnson and mixed by Nigel Appleton. Our executive producers are Faye Stewart and Zad Rogers. Our production manager is Caitlin Paramore and our production coordinator is Bella Cellini. This episode had additional contributions by Sean Wynne-Owen. Thank you to everyone at the River Cafe for your help in making this episode. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 